Well, I'll take it from the beginning. Kay was coming home for the Christmas holidays after his first term at school. The train stopped at Musborough Station and an old man ringing a handbell went along the platform crying, Musborough Junction, change for Tatchester and Newminster. Kay knew that, the, that this was where he had to change trains and climbing down onto the platform in the bitter cold, he stamped his feet to get warmth into them. The old man ringing the handbell cried, All for Condicote and Tatchester, all for York Wardine and Newminster, go to number five platform by the subway. As the other passengers set off toward the subway entrance, Kay put his fingers into his pocket for his ticket. It was not there. He went back to the carriage. Stand back, master, please, a porter said. We're going to shift the train. Please, I, I think I've dropped my ticket in the carriage. Oh, one minute then, the porter said, opening the door. Which seat were you sitting at? Here, Kay said. He looked under the seat and in what he called the crink between the back of the seat. There was no ticket there. I don't seem to see it, said the porter. You'd better explain at the subway. We've got to shunt the train. The train presently moved away, and returning to the bench where he had left his bag, Kay began to rummage through all his pockets. An Irish terrier came up, smiled at him, and wagged the stump of its tail. Good boy, Kay said, nice old boy then, and rumpled his head for him, which made the dog bounce about with delight. Still he could not find his ticket. Then he noticed that the owner of the dog, a little old man in a worn grey overcoat was standing near him. Since leaving the train he had been at the platform end, securing a big case and a cover of green bays. This he now carried in his hand. Ah, young master, the old man said, I see that my Barney dog has made friends with you at first sight. That's the time that likings are made. And you're looking for your ticket, which, lo, is on the platform dropped at your feet. Why, so it is, Kay said, picking it up. So it is. Thank you ever so much. You must have slipped it out as you rummaged, the man said. Kay noticed that he had very bright eyes, alert as a bird's or a squirrel's. You must be moving along, we must be moving along, young master, he said, or they'll be wondering if we've got no ticket. Could I give you a hand, please, to help you carry your case? Kay asked. He noticed that it was an awkward load for a little old man. No, I thank you, master, said the old man. But if you will be so kind as to steady her when I swing her up, then I could get her on my back, which is where she rides a triumph. Only I do date from pagan times, and age makes joints do to creak. <laughs> or doesn't it? I should think it does, Kay said. Now I'm going to swing, the old man said and keep it, you young master, from rolling me over if you will be so good. He swung his bundle up on his shoulder, and indeed, if Kay had not, seen, not been there to steady it, the load might have overturned his frail little old withered body, like the ghost of ninepence, as he said. Kay walked with him through the subway to number five platform, and there helped him to set down his bundle at a seat. The train came in, he got into a carriage and was soon on his way home. When he had been taken to school in September, he'd gone by car. 
He was now returning home through a country quite new to him, by a railway line over which he had never before travelled. The train passed out of the meadows into a hilly land, beautiful with woodlands and glens. In spite of the bitter cold, he was much interested in this new country. Some of the hills had old camps on them. On the headlands there were old castles, in the glens there were churches that looked like forts. Soon all the land to the left of the railway line was a range of low wooded hills of the most strange shapes. He read the name on the cycling map, Chester Hills. What a wonderful place, he said to himself. I do wish I could come here to explore. The train drew up at a station. Hope under Chester, he read. Then that is Chester's camp. He stared at the hills. It was a grim winter morning threatening a gale. Something in the light, with its hard, sinister clearness, gave mystery and dread to these hills. They just looked the sort of hills, he said to himself, where you might come up in a dark tower and blow a horn at the gate for something to happen. The train was about to start when, with <coughs> cries of, Hold on! Uh, two men, both in the black clothes of theological students, rushed across the platform and scrambled into the further corner seats of Kay's carriage. Both were youngish men, about twenty-three, Kay thought. Somehow, somehow he didn't like the men, nor their voices. They, ma they made, in some foreign tongue, one or two remarks, which Kay judged to be about himself. After this, as the train went on, they spoke to him. One of them, a pale, eager-looking man with foxy hair, said, uh, Going home for the holidays? <laughs> what? And when Kay said, Yes, sir, the other said, And very seasonable weather, too. We are to have snow, it seems, and no doubt you enjoy snowballing and tobogganing and making snowmen? Kay said that he did. He began to like the other man, who had a round, rosy, chubby face with fair hair, and yet there was something about him... Kay couldn't quite put it into words. He had a kind of a... a sort of a... It was more in his eyes than anything else. I wonder, the chubby man said, I wonder if on the Christmas holidays you will ever do card tricks. I, I don't know any. I wonder if I might try to teach you a simple trick, said the foxy-faced man, since we are to be fellow travellers. Kay said it would be very kind, but he was afraid that he would be very stupid at it. I see that you would be very clever at it, said the foxy man. Don't you think, Tristan, that he has the face of one certain to be clever at card tricks? What? The very face, the other man said. Just the facial angle and the Borromean index, the foxy man went on. Let nothing tempt you to playing cards with strangers in a train or a ship anywhere, the chubby man said. I'm inclined to agree with you, Lancelot, said the foxy man, but there will be no harm in teaching him one of the tricks by which sharpers deceive the unwary. Let me show you the commonest trick. It is often known as spotting the lady. He dealt out three cards, one of which was the queen of clubs, the other two low hearts. See there, he said. Mark them well. I twist them and shift them and lo, now, which is the lady? That one, Kay said. So it is, so it is, the man said. 
What it is to have young eyes, Gawain, is it not? And here is your sixpence. Now, may we try once again? You're too young, you're too sharp, there is no getting round you. Now, no denial, if I beat you this time, you shall give me a full half-crown for the poor box on Nick Sunday's collection. Kay was about to protest, for he had promised never to bet, not to play cards for money. But the chubby-faced man said, Of course, that would be simple sportsman's honour. Agreed, agreed. What? said the foxy man, as he twiddled the cards. Now, which is the lady? This one, Kay said. I saw her from underneath as the cards went down. He was quite certain he had seen the Queen, but when he lifted the card it was not the Queen, it was the Three of Hearts. How did that happen, what? the foxy man, the foxy-faced man said. That'll be just a half-crown, please, for the collection in aid of the decayed cellarers, poor fellows. Kay felt very unhappy, but pulled out his purse and paid the half-crown. It may have been suspicion or error, yet it seemed to him that both men were very inquisitive, cleaning over to see what money was in his purse. Some slight noise made them all look toward the corridor. It was only the Irish terrier, Barney Dog, standing on his hind legs to look into the compartment. With a scratching of claws upon the paint, the dog dropped from his post and slid away. Yet Kay felt somehow uneasy, for the dog had looked at him so strangely. A dog, I think, the chubby, said the chubby man, with a warning glance at his friend. One of the friends of man, as they are called. And do you keep dogs at seekings, Mr. Harker? Kay jumped, for how did the man know his name and home? How did you know about me, sir? he asked. Magic, no doubt, the man said. But there is a proverb, More know Tom Fool than Tom Fool knows. And not that I want you to think that I think you a fool, by no means. And this is Condicote Station? There was always a press of people on Condicote platform at the coming in of the train. There was what um, there was on this day. Kay was bumped and jumped and thrust by people getting in and out. There was his guardian, Caroline Louisa, come to meet him. When they had won through the press and were safely in the car, Kay found that he had been robbed. I say, he said, there must have been pickpockets in the crowd. They've got my purse and my dollar watch. Did you notice any suspicious person near you? No. Hello, here's my ticket. But you gave it up just now. So I did, he said. Well, that's a queer thing. Why, well, there is the old man, the old fellow with the green baize case and the Irish terrier. What is he? Car- Caroline Louise asked. A punch and judy man? I don't know, Kay said. I'll ask him, and may I offer him a lift? Ask him if you like, she said. Kay got out of the car and went to the little old man. Will you please tell me, he said, if you're a Punch and Judy man? I am, so to speak, a showman, the old man said, and my Barney dog, as it were, is my Toby dog when the chance does call. But the secrets of my show... They aren't to be had by these common ones now, are they? I was to ask you, would you like a lift down into the town 
as it is rather a step and it is so cold. No, I thank you, my young master, the old man said. But now that the wolves are running, perhaps you would do something to stop their bite, or wouldn't you? I don't know what you mean, Kay said, but is there anything I can do for you? Master Harker, he said, there is something that no other soul can do for me but you alone. As you go down towards Seekings, if you would stop at Bob's shop, as it were, to buy muffins now, near the door you will see a woman, plaited from the cold, wearing a ring of a very strange shape, Master Harker, being like my ring here, of the long ways cross of gold and garnets. And she has very bright eyes, Master Harker, as bright as mine, which is what few have. If you will step into the Bob's shop to buy muffins now, saying nothing, not even to your good friend, and say to this lady, the wolves are running, then she will know, and others will know, and none will get bit. But time and tide and buttered eggs wait for no man, he added. He swung away at once, bent under his pack, followed by his dog Barney. Kay went back to the car. I'm sorry to have been so long, he said. About you being robbed, Caroline Louisa said. Who was with you in the train? Two men, but I don't think they would have robbed me. They were two sort of curates. They got in at Hope under Chester's and got out here. The funny thing was that they knew my name and that I came from Seekings. They could read that from your luggage labels, she said. If your curates got in at Hope under Chester's, they may have been members of the missionaries' college there. I say, Kay said, are there any muffins? No, she said, tea cakes, but no muffins. Would you mind frightfully if we stopped at Bob's and got some muffins? Only you'll have to lend me some tin, for my purse is gone and I haven't a tosser to my kick. <laughs> now, Kay, you mustn't use slang in the holidays. By the way, Kay said, are there butter eggs for lunch? Yes, especially for you. We must get on to them. You know, Kay said, there's something very queer about that old man. He knew that there would be buttered eggs. Do you think he could have picked your pockets? No, I don't. What do the curates do at Chester's? They read good books and learn how to be clergymen and work in the farm and garden too, I believe. Did they want you to join them? They didn't ask me. I wish you'd tell me about them. I don't have much to tell. They're on the other side of the county. I seem to have heard that most of them get off to missions after a time of training. But I'm not telling you the news. I've got rather a shock to give you. All the Jones children are with us for the holidays. Oh, I say, golly, whatever for? Uh, the parents have to go abroad, and I couldn't bear the children to have nowhere to go for Christmas. I do hope you don't mind frightfully. I don't mind at all, he said. I like the Joneses. Some of them. No, I like them all, really. There's rather a gallop of them, though. Um, maybe I should stop there for the time being. <laughs> yes. I love the wolves. Mm -hmm. It's a lovely one. I wonder if children read it now. So, it depends if they read books or if they're, if they're given books to read. That's um, true. Yeah, I heard it. Well, perhaps you did too we in did the children's hour. Children's hour, that's right. Yeah, there were, there's two of them. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the first one is called The Midnight Folk. Mm. 
Yes. And that the Box of Delights is the kind of sequel to it. Yeah. And uh, I found that in Red Republic Library, to my surprise, the Box of Delights and the Midnight Folk had. Um, it, it was because he'd um, his other novels were written for adults, mm. though they were adventurous novels. Um, there was one that was called Odd Tar. O D T A A, and um, I remember my grandfather, Mum's dad, mm-hmm. mentioning that the uh, the title of it had caused a lot of um, curiosity in reviewers and people referring to it, and uh, Macefield, who was the poet laureate, actually. The, said that it uh, it meant one damn thing after another <laughs>